You are about to take part in a session from a Discipleship Bible School held at YWAM Richmond in the spring of 2022, and we are so grateful you are here. So much prayer went into every element of this course, from recruitment to content editing, and we are convinced you will leave this knowing God a little deeper. The Discipleship Bible School, or DBS, is an opportunity to survey the entirety of Scripture to discover God's redemptive plan for all of humanity. Over the course of 12 weeks, teachers explored the Bible section by section, not only to deepen students' understanding of what was written then, but reveal what we are being invited into now. If you like what you are hearing, visit ywamva.org to discover what courses we are offering, ways you can journey with our team, and other content created to help you know God and make Him known. Everything you hear was created as a step of faith by a team of YWAMers and volunteers who felt God inviting them to capture the DBS in its entirety, over 120 hours of content. If this content blesses you, consider supporting future schools and content by giving at ywamrichmond.org donate. Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait for you to experience God today. I only have a couple more slides for this history lesson. I probably should have done that before we ended, but that's okay. Um, yeah, but just knowing that, and I've talked about this, how important history is. And so really, humans have always been the same because when a problem arises, I mean, it's good to think about the logical solution, like what's the best option. Um, but for them at that time, alliances were always the best option for them. At least they thought it was the best option. And, uh, and especially for the Israelites. And so, but really, God was always wanting them to choose him because he was the way that he wanted to show his power was through this, gen through this nation, through this generation of people, through every generation that combined Israel. And so... Um, and just to reiterate the, the chapters for the blessings and the curses. So the blessings that will come if Israel is faithful is in Leviticus 26 and then Deuteronomy chapter 4 and chapter 28. And then um, the curses are also in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy. Um, they finish out those chapters. So like I've said in the past, and I will continue to say, learning those chapters will help you uh, to understand what you're reading now or going back to them and refreshing your memory. Okay, so that is the end of our first lesson in history. And now we'll um, move on to our religious class. So we're switching, we're switching classes now. So the bell rang and uh, <laughs> well, you're keeping the same teacher. So... Um, so for the religious lesson, we need to know who and why. So the who and why questions. Um, and you cannot understand the prophets without knowing the role that they performed within these books, within their prophetical role. And so within this lesson, in this religious lesson, oops, we need to know, is there a God and how do we hear from him? So we already know that there is a God, but want to just reiterate this more and more that there is one true God, because that was the issue with the Israelites. They, they always thought there was God, but then they always wanted to bring in these other gods to worship along with God. But then knowing that we can hear from the Lord, you know, that is one of the key aspects of YWAM is hearing the voice of the Lord. And so this is a way that through the prophets that they were able to hear from God. Because we know that God is a communicating God. We have been reading that throughout all of these books, how God is constantly and continuously speaking to the people. He is speaking His plans, His purposes for them, His intentions for them. Everything is about Him communicating with the people. And so for these books, God will use the prophets to speak on his behalf. And so if you want to think of it this way, and I have it up there on the screen, the, but the prophets 
really equals a mouthpiece of God because they are the ones that are speaking out the, the blessings and the curses of these covenants. They are the ones that is following the Lord who is hearing from him and they're saying, okay, this is what the, what the Lord is saying to you all. And they are saying, thus says the Lord. <clears throat> so really, prophets are people, like I said, that God speaks to so that then they can speak to the people. So the prophets are, in a sense, the middleman. And we know from reading the word, even in Genesis, that Abraham was the first prophet in the Bible. And he was close to God. He heard from the Lord. And I think, you know, even thinking back to Abraham's story and how God told him to leave his country, to, that he would be a father of nations, that there were many promises that the Lord gave to Abraham during this time that um, like the number of stars in the sky would be the number of his descendants. And so if you are going to uproot and leave everything that you've known, I think you'd have to be pretty sure that there is a God and that you hear him speaking and that you are confident in what you're doing. Because very rarely, sometimes we do, but very rarely do we say, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. Like a lot of times we, we're like, okay, God, if you give me this confirmation, then I'll do it. And then I need another confirmation and then I might do it. So there's always this, you know, I think hesitation. But with Abraham, he heard from the Lord and he responded. There was no... Um, I mean, even when it came to sacrificing Isaac, he, he believed that God would either bring him back to life or something would happen. So he had such a trust and a faith in the Lord. But even to, you know, uproot everything and go to this land that he had no idea of what it was. And so some of the characteristics of the prophets is really understanding the time. So I've talked about how important it is to know the history. And then to hear God clearly. So this is the religious aspect of these lessons. And then also the courage to confront the leaders and the people. These are all aspects that the prophets had to, um, had to cover. And so that courage would be the language part that is the last lesson that we'll talk about. And so the prophets had to know and understand all three of those to be able to really express this message well to the people. And so are prophets around today? What do you all think? Yes. Prophets are here, but I'll say that I think that they are a little bit different than the prophets that we read about in the Bible, um, like Isaiah and Jeremiah. And this is something that I'm still like processing out when I, when I do this teaching. Um, but I really think a lot of the prophetic in the Old Testament especially was about, you know, predicting the exile that was to come. It was predicting, the, or not predicting, but telling the things that were to come because this was what the Lord was speaking to them. Um, but I think a lot of prophecy today is, uh, and prophetic is about encouragement. It's edification of the church. It's about um, building one another up. And, um, and so really when we are looking at the prophetic, asking the questions of God and seeing what he says, and so because we know that God always has a redemptive plan and everything that he does there's always this redemptive part because he is a redeeming God. He is a restorative God. And so knowing what God is saying to you about how you should live, about how you should be living your life, like even that aspect of trusting in the Lord, that is an aspect of saying, okay, God, like how am I communicating with you? How am I listening to you? Because that's what the prophets did. They were in constant communication with the Lord. And so to actually know how to live, to know what you believe, what you, how you live out your life, you have to understand who God is 
And so these prophets, they had to know who God was. And then also their worldview. It had to be biblical. They had to know the history. They had to know who God was. And so this worldview that they held, it was one that was very key for the nation because they were the ones that were upholding the law. They were upholding the covenant. They were that, that mouthpiece, that middleman between God and the destruction that was taking place. And so just even asking you the question, because, you know, we can say that we have a biblical worldview, but what has shaped our worldview? A lot of times it is the families that we grew up in. It is the things that we're listening to, the things that we're reading, the things that we are, the people we're surrounding ourselves with. These are the things that are shaping our worldview constantly. The news you listen to, the articles that you read, these are constantly shaping your worldview. And so we can either, we can say that we have a biblical worldview, but if it's not based on the word and the truth of God, then your words, if they don't line up, then they're just words. So I, I really, you know, even week one was origins and worldview because it's so important to know what you believe and why you believe it. We have a world that we're living in that is, I've, I've said it before, is dying because they don't know truth. They keep going after other things. And so their worldview is being shaped by the things that are around them. So making sure that you are surrounding yourself with the right people, with the right information, the right uh, entertainment, yeah, character, like all of these things. It's not just... um, I mean, I'm not going to say it's just in the church that we need to look at our worldview, but in government, in education, like, what is it biblically based? Or is it, oh, well, this is how the school's always been run, so this is how we do it. You know, like my, I have a brother-in-law who used to be a teacher, and now he has, is doing other things in the school. But he talked about how it changed from he, when he first started, He could talk about God, you know, here and there. They had prayer in the school, but now he can't talk about God in the classroom. Like it's something that you just cannot do. And so what has shaped the worldview of education? I'm going to say it's not the Bible because if it was, you'd still be able to talk about God in school, but they educate on how to be a Muslim, how to, you know, what is Hinduism? What is all of these other religions? And so this is what is being talked about in the realm of education. So their worldview is being shaped by something that is not, you know, education and like government. You think about like the way that we look at government now and what's happening in the government. And so worldview is really key. And that's why we even like to start the school out with origins and worldview is because what we believe shapes our choices, our actions, our, where, where our destiny leads us to. And we will see that the worldview of the Israelites was not set on God. It was set on everything but the Lord. So if we continue to get to know the prophets, their worldview, but we know that these these men, these prophets were sent on daunting and sometimes really dangerous missions. They were really um, sent out to... I put halt here or stop, whichever way you want to uh, communicate this, but really to stop the people from their like rush into destruction because that's what they were doing. They were so focused on their own, what they wanted, 
And so can you imagine being a prophet and going into a nation where they were so bent on doing whatever they wanted? And then knowing that you had to warn them that if they didn't change their ways, that judgment was coming. Because I'm going to be honest, a lot of people don't like to repent. (laughs) Yeah, just saying. Not a lot of people like to be told that they're living wrong, that they're doing something wrong. So, and I think this even goes for Christians. We don't like to be told that we need to change the way we're doing things. But this was the role of the prophets. They were to call the people back to God and for them to be in repentance. And if not, that they would be judged. So that is the hard piece of every prophet's job or their mission. But then they also got to speak about the comfort that would come but unfortunately it would be after the destruction. And so they would know God's character and be able to assure the people that God would love them, that there was a purpose for them. And so their missions and message were always twofold. It was to warn, to call back, but then also to comfort and to bring that salvation, that promise that there was more to come. And so the role of the prophets were that they were covenant enforcement mediators. I like that word, those words. <laughs> because they knew the covenant and they were enforcing it with the people and they were mediating between the two, between the Lord and the people. And so they, God has given the law, but he's not just saying, okay, you have the law and that's good enough. But he's saying, you have to live by it. It's not just enough to know it, but you have to live it out. So it's going back to, we can say we trust the Lord, but do our actions show it? Do we actually live it out? Yeah. I don't want to like derail like necessarily like can you like do you have any examples? I don't want to put you on the spot either, but like um, of like modern day prophets like because I think I mean I, I feel like I'm still learning like what it means to operate in the prophetic. Mm-hmm. You know, like you hear the prophetic and often it's associated with like kind of I don't know maybe even almost healing ministry versus like. You know, maybe foretelling or um, or even just like attesting to his character and nature, um, kind of like here where they're saying, hey, God's told you this again and again and again. I'm here to tell you again. Mm-hmm. This is how you, know, you should live. And if you don't, this is what's coming. What do modern day prophets look like? Or is it more common than we think? Because these seem like very, I don't know, individualized set of our people that were just mm-hmm. very uniquely called when I think about like the modern day, I don't know. Maybe I think there's all sorts of people that kind of operate the prophetic, but maybe don't realize that mm-hmm. that's what they have. Yeah. Um, this is an area that I'm still learning, uh, you know, and trying to connect Old Testament prophecy with how, how we live now. Because to be honest, like I didn't grow up hearing that people were prophets now. Like it was just in the Old Testament. And so, and I I really don't even think it's been, I don't want to say just like the last 10 years, but I feel like prophecy and like people giving words is something that is very, I guess like the it thing to do right now. Like if you look, well, maybe it's my YouTube because I, I research a lot of this stuff, but like my YouTube is like, this prophecy is out today, like listen to it. And then there's like, you know, whole organizations who they just put out people's prophecies. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I really don't know 
because really, even the whole way that we knew that these people were actual prophets is because their prophecies came true. And so I, I can't attest or speak for prophecy today because number one, it's so much, it's hard to like keep up with it all. But, um, you know, even just, I'll take the election. Like people were like, oh, Trump is gonna win. Trump is gonna win. Like they were prophesying it. And then when it didn't happen, they were like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, and I struggled with that because I was like, okay, if you really heard from the Lord, then like, why were you, and were they wrong? I don't know. Was it Rick? I don't know. Like, there's so many options that go into this that like, it, it's hard to know. Like, was Trump supposed to be president? And the whole thing was Rick. I, I, I don't know. And so prophecy today, I think is so, uh, it's a whole can of worms. <laughs> I, and I don't have enough wisdom yet to speak on it. Like who is a true prophet and who is not? I'm, I am not going to go there. The Bible. <laughs> That's true. We, we need to test them. Yes. It's not something like a person show up and say, I'm a prophet. Yeah. That we're going to believe on them. And that's kind of the issue that we have today. Mm -hmm. We have to test them. Yes. We've mentioned that many times. Mm -hmm. Test these people. Yeah. And that's kind of the issue that we have today because people mm -hmm. are prophesying like crazy. Yeah. But there's not something that the Lord said. And we need to know the prophet, mm -hmm. the life of them, who is that person, the testimony of this person, and that mm -hmm. is that is, that could help us to understand if we are gonna believe on that person or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what happens when the person are are prophesying wrong? Mm -hmm. Some so, so, some people are good because they say I'm sorry, it was my mistake. Mm -hmm. and some others they don't say anything. It's God's fault. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's but it's an interesting topic. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I want to study more on it, but I'm always like, yeah, it, it's so big. And I, one of these days I will. But I, I, every time I prepare this teaching, I'm like, because I have books from like um, Chris Vallotton on prophecy. And, and I'm like, I, I think... Personally, I'm a little bit nervous to even go down that road because there's so many differing opinions. Like I was even just like scrolling through YouTube last night and I saw something and it was like, don't watch The Chosen, it's horrible. And I was like, what? I was like, okay. And I didn't, I didn't listen to it, but I was just, it made me step back and be like, okay. And then... I, I did listen to a podcast the other day and it was like, don't listen to Bethel anymore. Don't listen to Hillsong because they're all, they're all horrible. And I'm like, okay. So I, you have like these differing of opinions and you do have to go with the word of God. And so, and that's not maybe so much on prophecy, but more just like their ministry and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like that there's so many differing of opinions that it's like a, a, a rabbit hole sometimes to even start going down. Would you say that um, there's a distinction that should be made between like the prophets we're reading about, like talking about this week, the prophets in the old covenant versus like prophecy in the new covenant? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I do because... I'll, I'll talk about it, but a lot of the prophecies that were already in the Old Testament have already come to pass. So, like, I think there's, I, it's in my notes, I can't remember. I don't know if it's less than 1% or less than 5% of prophecies that still haven't been fulfilled. Yeah. So, it's like, it's, it's not even that much when we come to understanding of prophecy. And so that's why I, I make the distinction that I, I think this is my personal opinion is that prophecy now is more about edification. It's more about encouraging the church, building the church up like, um, and not so much of, and this is where I still need to learn if it's all doom and gloom, like, 
you know, you're going into exile, you're going to be destroyed, all that, because I think there is a time and place for that. Like America, we are not following our biblical foundation. So is God going to continue to bless us? You know, if we change our ways, I think yes. If not, we better be ready because like we're no better than Israel. I mean, he, they were his chosen people and he took them into exile. So I don't, I, yeah. <laughs> this is a big topic that um, we could sit and talk about and, but I don't know if I would have a lot more to say right now because it's, I think it is a huge, a huge topic to dissect, but knowing the right people to go to, I don't know that right now, other than the Word of God and maybe Dan Lewis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a few others, but yeah, like, um, but yeah, I, I mean, just even, you really have to be rooted in the truth of the Word of God. And so I thank you for saying that because it's true. Like if you're not rooted in biblical truth, then you will be swayed back and forth. And so, um, and why it's so important to follow through on some of these things. Like even, even the thing I listened to about not listening to Bethel and like Hillsong and all of them. I'm like, I just listen to the songs. I don't really, I'm, I haven't listened to sermons of them to know like their doctrine. But I was like, that's probably a good thing to do. Like, let's, and like, let's look at their doctrine. What do they believe? What do they uphold? Because then if they're not in line with what I believe, then I have a choice to make. And so, so I think it is a, being rooted, but then it's, it's really asking the Lord how to move forward in it. And um, so I'll leave it with that. Anything else that I can't answer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, I was like, this is a tough one to bring up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'd say just, I'll throw this one last thing with that, guys. Like, when it comes to, um, like, Bethel, we've all listened to Bethel, we've all listened to Hillsong, like, in, in, the, in the worship vocation for a long time. Um, I'm not saying anything about them specifically because I don't know, but yeah. what I do know is that oftentimes great things start kind of in a grassroots movement, become a business, and eventually end up as a racket. Um, and so that can happen to anything, an uh, organization, a person, um, a pastor. So it's important never to put anybody up on a pedestal. Yeah. It is important to be reflective and say, hey, are you beginning to deviate away from you know, because sometimes we feel the pressure when we succeed at something to continue increasing upon that success rather than just be faithful with what God calls us to do in that season and with that gift. And he, never, mm -hmm. he might have a gift he wants you to use for a season, and then he's going to move you on to another season. But if you keep trying to squeeze more lemon juice out of that lemon after it's gone, you begin to fall into corruption. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm not saying I know... I didn't go down that trail of trying to figure it out. I just listened to it because I was like, this is interesting. And so um, I had heard some of the things that they had said before, but I still hadn't, like, I haven't come to a conclusion yet. So, um, but I think it's good to also challenge yourself in these ways to not just say, well, Bethel's the it music, so I'm going to listen to it. But like, challenge what you are listening to like flush it out is it is it truly what you believe in because if not then you have a choice like I said and so it's I think a lot of times we do go with the masses on well they're doing it like they're singing them at the other YWAM base so why can't we sing them here like but but know why you're not going to do it and know why you do it that's, that's what it comes down to. And I think that's what the Lord wants. It's not just to, you know, Israel was following the masses. What did they want? They wanted to be like the other nations. They wanted a king like the other nations. And so that's the choice that they made.
And so I think that this, it's, it's really applicational because um, we, can, we can say, well, in this church, they sing all these songs, so it's fine. Or um, really digging into what do they stand for? What are their beliefs? And then do, do they come into alignment with what I believe? And not to degrade them, not to, you know, put them down, but just to say, okay, I have a choice. Am I going to continue to listen to them and put that in my mind and my spirit? Or am I going to look for something else that is in line with what I believe? So, and if they are in line with what you believe, even better. Because I think they have good music. (laughs) But, yeah, so. Um, So I think it's just a good reflection opportunity to not just go with what every what everybody else is doing but to really flush it out for yourself does that make sense so i'm not saying don't listen to them but i'm saying let's do some homework and see what we what we find out and that's important to study the bible mhm because easily recognize mhm who is doing wrong yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like in my DTS, they talked about how um, when they, when um, in banks, when they hire tellers, like to know a counterfeit bill, they don't study all the counterfeits. They study the real thing. So then they know when they come in contact with a counterfeit because they've studied the real thing so much. And the same is true for everything else. Like when we study the truth, the word of God, then we'll know when we come into contact with heresy and, and also asking the Lord for direction in that to be like your heart is as sensitive to those things that may be leading you away. So God convict, you know, be specific, convict when there is an area where I am falling away from your truth, your word, your ways. So, um, but yeah, don't study all the counterfeits, just study the Word of God. But knowing, yeah, because false, false teachers, false prophets, I mean, wolves in sheep's clothing, like it's talked about in the New Testament, and even Balaam, he was a wolf in sheep's clothing, like he came and he, you know, from Numbers, this is week two, but he really betrayed the Israelites and they all fell into worship of a pagan god because of him. Even though he did bless the nation, but then he led them into idolatry. And so we have to be very, very aware of what we're putting into our spirits. So, okay, that was a lot, and I have a lot to cover. So, we're going to keep going. Um... I think I covered everything on that one. Um, So then uh, the prophets were God's direct representatives. They were the ones who were really speaking directly from God to the people. They were ambassadors from the heavenly court who relayed these sovereign messages to the people. And it didn't matter the group. It could have been royalty. It could have been a priesthood. Uh, Whoever had broken the laws, these were the ones that were hearing these messages. Because God was going to uphold his law no matter what. And so the three common features of a prophet is that they all had common understanding of God's character. So they knew who God was. And so that goes for us too. We need to know who God is. So study the word of God. And then all condemned apostasy. And what, what is apostasy? Falling away. Yeah, falling away from God. And so, and they called the people back to God and his covenant. So when they were living their own ways, he, the, the prophets were always constantly come back to the Lord, return to his ways, return to his covenant. And then they all believed for a future hope for the nation. So they knew God's character, they condemned apostasy, and then they believed in a future hope. 
Um, I'm going to skip through that. Um, so in, in prophecy, there is aspects that are forthtelling and foretelling. And so forthtelling is when it is inspired speaking and they're it's saying, I'm going to tell you the truth. And they're actually speaking about what is actually happening. And so it's not so much that they're predicting anything. It's just calling out what it is. Like you're sitting in that chair wearing a black jacket. It's what you're doing. So they're just sort of like telling the people, this is what you're doing. Like they're saying, Israelites, you're sinning. You're doing wrong. So this forth telling is more just like telling them the truth or speaking about what's happening. And then from that, it would, they would call the people back to God and they would proclaim the truth and it would be asking them to repent. And so if they were, you know, stealing from the poor, they would be like, hey, let's repent for that. Let's give money back to the poor. Let's start living right. And so this was the way that they would foretell prophecy, okay? So remember the foretell, foretelling? Because then we have next, which is foretelling, okay? And so this is really, I think, what we've been talking about in this last little bit. Because this is speaking about what will happen in the future. So it's predicting things that are going to take place. And so even in the word of God, less than 2% of the prophecies were messianic. So if you think about out of all the prophecies, less than 2% were messianic. And then less than 5% are about the new covenant or church age. Okay, so the new covenant and church age is what we're in now. Correct? Say yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because we're living under the new covenant and we are in the church age. And so less than 1% of prophecy is actually um, yet to come. So this is where we were talking about like less than 1% of the prophecy that was talked about um, is still yet to be fulfilled. So there's not really a whole lot other than I think... I mean, people can prophesy about what's happening right now. They can predict. They can say, oh, well, this is going to happen if this doesn't change. And, but really, less than 1% of prophecy has, that's been spoken about in the Word of God has still not been prophesied. So it's a very small number. And so when we are looking at this, the whole you know, predictions and prophesying the future, and even speaking about what's happening, one of the key things to understanding the prophets is that for us, and it may seem like, yeah, we get that, but for us to see their prophecies fulfilled, we must look back on times. So we need to, once again, put ourselves in their shoes and think about how these things hadn't come to pass yet. Like Jesus hadn't come on the scene yet. And so when they are speaking these prophecies, this is like, you know, we have, to, we have to go look in the past, but it would have been their future. So it's like, what is the, um, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but like back to the future, like where they, where they go back and forth, where they're like, you know, going back to years past and then they're going to go forward to, that's sort of like what it is. In the sense of, for us, like, we're, we have to go back in time to, it was, it was their future, but it's already our past. Whether these, most of these prophecies were fulfilled. Um, uh, uh, we'll talk about telescoping for a moment because, uh, so I've talked about foretelling and foretelling, and then this telescoping is important also because Prophets might have been talking about like the first coming of the Lord, but then they could also be talking about the second coming of the Lord. And so with dating of prophecies, it's not always so cut and dry. I mean, sometimes when they're talking about the exile, you're like, okay, I know that's 586 or I know that's 722 BC. 
And so, but some prophecies will, it will be hard to pinpoint a uh, date of fulfillment because there might not be just one. It could be that there is a double fulfillment for that prophecy. Um, And so just being aware when you're reading through these oracles or reading through these prophecies that still less than 1% have not happened. So like when you're, when you're going through, and it's not something that we ask you to do, so it's not that you have to be on every prophecy like, oh, well, when did this take place? When did this happen? Now, if you go ahead and take SBS, that will be something that you'll look into. But, um, but for this school, we're not asking you to determine the, when these predictions and when these prophecies took place. But know that that is an aspect of study if you want to go back and do that, to really read through these prophetic books and say, okay, when did this happen? Like, when do I think this took place? Because then that helps you to understand more that God actually fulfilled a lot of the things that He said He would do. He held true to His Word. So His character is true, and He is faithful to it. And so uh, what, I, what I want to get at with these, though, is that a lot of times when these prophets were speaking, they didn't know when these fulfillments would take place. They just knew that they were being faithful to the Word of God. They were being faithful to their message that they were being given. And they didn't know the exact time frame. And so we can see, though, because these scriptures are in our past, we can see that sometimes there was such a greater fulfillment than they even realized with these prophecies. That they didn't understand at that time what they were actually speaking. They just knew that they had a message from the Lord. But because we have the New Testament, because we know of Jesus and we've, we are in the past of having Jesus here, that we know that this, these predictions have come true. And so we can make more sense of these, these prophecies. And so um, I'm going to skip through these. And Thank you. Um, there was a whole lesson with that, but I'm going to skip it because <laughs> we've got 20 minutes. <laughs> okay. So I want to move on. So we finished our two classes. What was our first one? History, yes. What was our second one? Religion, okay. And so now we're going to move on to our last class, which is our language lesson, okay? And so this is answering the what and the how to all of these prophetic books. And so you cannot understand the prophets unless you know the type of language they used. And so their language is going to be very important for these books. And so really, when you think about the function of prophecy, what it was about, the prophet's message was not their own. And that may seem a little crazy, but they weren't speaking their own words in a sense. I mean, it was their words, but the message was not, it did not originate from them. It was all God's message. And I'll make that purple. It was God's. And so these prophetic books, they do have their own unique style and vocabulary that they used because these prophets are individuals. They, you know, they have a family they were raised in. They have a culture they were raised in. You know, if I looked up a, um, a clip to try to show you all because it was like even saying different words, you know, could mean different things for people. So like, I'm trying to think of what one is. Well, in the South, we say y'all a lot. And so other parts of America do not do that. They say you all, or I think that's it. So, um, but just even the vocabulary that's used, like we could say that, well, and from where I'm from in Kentucky, we have a lot of haulers. Do y'all know what that are? Those are? Uh huh. It's what? It's like a call. <laughs> <laughs> That's Nebraska. I feel like there's different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So for us in Kentucky, a hauler is like 
down where it's hard to get into. It's like a low-lying place. So, like, you have these haulers that you go into, and, like, so, yeah, you need a hauler, <laughs> like you said. <laughs> yeah, but, so, like, when it's, when it's a bad, like, when there's snow on the ground, we're like, oh, the buses can't get down in the hauler, so they canceled school, because they can't get back out. The buses are like, it's too snowy, it's too slick, it might be icy. And so because there's such a steep slope, it's just a holler, so they can't get out of it. So, <laughs> so see, that is something, for, if you come to the south, you will know that word now, okay? But, so what I'm getting at is that these prophets, they used their own vocabulary because they were their own individuals. Just like how I'm, how I'm communicating with you is going to be different than how other teachers have communicated with you because I'm my own individual. I have, you know, come from Kentucky. I have been educated at certain places. And so, like, these, these things influence the way that I speak to you. And the same thing with the prophets. The way that they communicate is going to be their own language, but their message is going to be from the Lord. And so God is the one who is raising up these prophets to speak. And the prophets respond to this divine call that the Lord gives to them. Okay? And so I've already talked about this a little bit, but their message is unoriginal because the words, the message is coming from the Lord. And so when you read the prophets' words, what we read is not new in concept, but it's new in how it's spoken. Okay? Because the exact wording are the same concepts that were expressed in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So what you've already read throughout this school is really what's being expressed again and again, but it's just maybe in a new kind of form of vocabulary or style. And so with this language lesson, we know that figurative language is everywhere in these books. And so there's a, a lot of play on words, um, but a lot of that can be lost in translation because we know that this was written in Hebrew. And so we know that now we're reading in English, unless people know Hebrew. Um, and that sometimes, you know, even just translating between languages, there is, there's sometimes things that get lost because you, there's only so much you can get from the original and try to put that into another language. And so most of the language is poetry. Um, and then there's also, you know, these expressions of thus says the Lord, these oracles that we've talked about. And so, you know, even just thinking about the language, um, yesterday we went to church and there was a Messianic rabbi that spoke and he, um, he, gave the blessing of Aaron to us in Hebrew. And there was just something about it that um, to hear it in the original language, like I want to go back and find it because I want to record it so that I can play it in my teachings. But there's just something about the original. And so, um, but our language still, I think, is communicating the message of it. And, but... To hear it in Hebrew, it just, I don't know, it just connects in a different way. So, um, so knowing that this language, we are getting the, the message of it, but we may not be able to get all of it because of the translation and these play on words and these figures of speech that are used. And we know that the prophets use multimedia <laughs> because they saw these visions and they had these enacted symbols that they acted out. And so they were bringing these messages and these visions alive for the people. And so can you imagine having to describe some of these things that they were seeing? Like Ezekiel is the wheel within a wheel with these eyes all over it. And you're like, how do I describe that? It goes in all directions and goes up and down and back and forth. And, you know, it's a little bit... I think a lot to try to put into words sometimes what they were seeing. 
because the prophets are given a glimpse of a future that they have never seen before. This is brand new for them. And so to try to describe it, to put it in words, I think would be a task all in itself. And so they had to use figures of speech because they were seeing things for sometimes the very first time. And so how do you explain something? I mean, I find it hard sometimes to explain something, and I've, I've seen it before. And so to, to explain something that you've never seen before, that you don't have any experience with, and trying to put it in terms that people would understand it, I feel like that the prophets, they did a, a very good job, but they used like and as a lot because they were trying to help people understand what they were seeing. And so even with the enacted prophecy, God sometimes told the prophets not to merely speak out these words, but to accompany them with actions. And so this would be a a way to vividly make this message come to life. And we see this several times in the throughout the prophets. And um, Isaiah is one of them, Isaiah 20, where he is, Isaiah is instructed to go stripped and barefoot for three years. And for, I think for the people, this would be such a, um, a real like visual for what was happening, what was coming about because this was to symbolize the prediction that the Assyrians would lead them away and they would be like stripped and barefoot and they, this would be their future. And so Isaiah was living that out for them to know that this was what's, what was going to take place. And so, um, I'm gonna skip over this. Um, So um, there is a a big impact with the words that are used because the Lord is wanting to get their attention. It's like when I started out talking about the oracles and like the wording that he uses, it's because he is wanting to get their attention. He is calling them back to something and it's to him. It's always calling him back to him. And so... um, there's a lot of depth to these messages and we don't need to just skim over them because we may not understand it fully or know when the prediction happened or when it took place. But understanding these messages so that we can understand the heart of God and really how to apply this for today for ourselves. And I talked about how um, there's figurative language in this, and sometimes figurative language can be ambiguous, meaning that it's not always completely understood. Huh? Yeah, vague. Good word to use. And so I have here, I don't know if you all, it's a little small. Um, I don't know if I can, nope. Let me do it that way. There we go. Um... So some of the common like uh, figures of speech that you will find within the prophets is simile. And this is, so this is your language, your English. So a simile is a comparison between two unlike things, but using the words like and as. And so some of the examples here is he is blind as a bat, or it is black as night, or she eats like a bird. And so you know that it's a simile when you see like and as, because it's them trying to explain something that they haven't seen before, and they're trying to put it in terms of, so people can understand it. Another one that you'll see a lot is hyperbole, and this is really an exaggeration for emphasis or effect. And then um, the the other two that you'll see a lot is metaphor and personification. And so a metaphor is a comparison between two things that aren't alike, but do have something in common. And so, um, I mean, even just the examples there, laughter is the best medicine, his words are wisdom. Um, So these are a comparison of two things that aren't alike, but have something in common, like it says. And then the last one, personification, is giving human qualities to animals or inanimate objects. And so... um, 
some of the examples. Let's see here if I can go back now. Oh gosh. I remember memorizing all of these in high school. <laughs> yeah. If you do SBS, you'll get them all again because you'll have to learn it all and color code your Bible that way. That's fine though. Um, and there's like, I think there's like 16 that you color code in. In SBS? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I thought, but. I <laughs> well, I mean, that's not just in your reading. That's when you're going back and you're studying it. So it's not, yeah. Okay. Keep going. Um, so metaphors break normal laws of language to give a greater force behind the message. And so it's for more emphasis and it's putting that feeling and that oomph into their, into their language. And so even just saying, pluck out your eyes. It's not just enough to say, hey, turn away from that. Don't look at that. But pluck out your eyes. Like, that's going to give a, like, wait, what? Because <laughs> not many times do we say that. Or take up my yoke. Like, these are not things that we say often, but it's things that have such an impact when we think about, um, you know, the Lord taking our yoke and us being yoked to Him. And then what about these? Canaan is a land flowing with milk and honey. So I don't really think Canaan is flowing with milk and honey. <laughs> but it's, a, it's meaning there's abundance there. There's goodness there. Or, I carried you on eagle's wings. What would that be? <laughs> Any guesses? Simile, metaphor, hyperbole, personification, huh? It could be. I was thinking more like hyperbole because it's like a... Or it could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as you can explain it out, it's. But, um, but yeah, I think of it as like I carried you on eagle's wings. So think about that. Like it's not actually going to happen. Like we're not going to be carried on eagle's wings. But like this is a way of the Lord expressing how He longed to care for them. How He longed to. Um, be there with them. And so then a couple of others are, you are stiff-necked people. Or, huh? Yeah, they are very stubborn, yes. And then wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. So it's not that wisdom is an actual tree that you're going to go out and you're going to hug and you're going to be like, okay, I'm wise now. That's not it. But this is a way to speak of uh, just a, a visual of trying to get the message across in a way that wouldn't just be speaking it of, you're stubborn, get over it. Like, you're a stiff-necked people. Like, to, to imagine that, to visualize that, I mean, that means that if you're stiff-necked, then you're going to be like this when you're moving and so that means that you're less likely to see everything that's going on around you. You're going to be slower to respond. I mean, the implications of, these, of the ways that the Lord is trying to communicate with them. So when you're reading through this, look at, think about those and not just be like, oh yeah, I got that. Like, he carried them on eagle's wings. I, I remember that. But what does that actually mean for them? And so these figures of speech are often used to explain things that they, they couldn't fully express or even understand at times. And, um, and you'll see, maybe not through this read, but when you study the Bible more, that prophets will play on each other, that they will repeat verses that were said or they will even change the way that something was said before. And so I have an example of this here is because in some verses, 
Um, it says that they beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And then in other times, it will say that they beat their plowshares into swords and their pruning hooks into spears. And so it will reverse those words, okay? And so in this one, it's meaning it's a call to stop fighting and to make peace because their swords that they were using for war are now going to be used for plowshares. And what are plowshares used for? Plowing, garden, yeah. Like tending a garden, plowing for food, tilling the ground. And their spears into pruning hooks. And so the way that they are communicating these messages is not that they're just going to come right out and say, stop doing what you're doing. I mean, sometimes they do. But... A lot of times they're going to use these figures of speech to draw them out. I mean, can you imagine like even a good storyteller, somebody who tells this incredible story and then the punchline is like this lesson that you just knew that you needed to hear. But they, ent- they entangled it into this like message where it pulled you in and got you involved because, well, I'll tell you an example with David. And Nathan, you know, he, he gave them this huge story of like, oh, this poor guy, this, he had a sheep and like, you know, it was his only one. And then this guy who was, had all the sheep he wanted came and took this guy's one sheep. Well, that's wrong, David says, doesn't he? And then Nathan's like, yeah, it's you. And so that's how the prophets are still working it's how the prophet worked with David and how the prophets are still working with the Israelites now. They, he's calling them and he's like weaving this story so that they will respond in the right way. And so these words that the prophets used back then are still used today because they are bigger than just for that time period. But they span like the test of time. These messages still hold true for us. If we do not turn from our wicked ways, then there will be consequences. That is life. That is the way things work. And so God was calling them back to his ways. And he does it over and over again. And so these messages still hold true today. And I want to end with just remembering that we are in a new covenant. That we, I think, firmly need to understand the covenant uh, in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, but we are not subject to this if-then mentality that they were. And I talked about that when I was here last time. And so, and, we, and we've talked about this a little bit today, that under this new covenant, the prophetic ministry in the church today is about encouragement and building up the church and not so much about exile like it was in the Old Testament. And so what is happening with the prophets here was for a period of time. And after it was finished, there were no more prophets like it at that time. So really to read these books, we have hope because we see that God is faithful and that he will restore. And so we take these messages, these even the use of the language and knowing their history and the role of the prophets, where they were in their walk with him. And what was so important about these oracles. And so I I really pray that through our time together today that you were able to really dig in even more to these next two weeks that you're reading through the prophets. Because this is a a huge chunk, well, not a huge, but a portion of your school. And so I pray that um, you are able to understand these books a little bit better by 
pulling out and knowing these figures of speech and the language that was used and how important it was for communicating this message to them. But it's a message that still holds true today, that God is longing to redeem us. He's longing to um, yeah, lavish His love on His people. But are we going to trust Him to be able to do that? And so, Lord, we thank You for these books. We thank You for the prophets, for the tasks that they took on and that they accomplished for your kingdom and for your honor and for your glory, Lord. Thank you that we have these books to learn from and to know how to live out our futures, Lord, because of what has happened in our past. And so we thank you for these words, for these stories, for these lives that were lived. May we take them to heart and not miss the messages and the lessons that you have for us within them. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.